Welcome to the May 31st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28, and the sermon is entitled, A Voice for James, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Keep that on your lap today. We are in the initial opening steps of a study through the entirety of the Gospel of John. I hope that uh, you, as you join us today that you'll get hooked on this study and that you'll want to stay with us through the entirety of all the chapters of the Gospel of John. The old disciple John is probably the last living disciple of the twelve. God granted John a long life. All the other disciples of Jesus died probably literally very young in life. Many of them, most of them died by martyrs' deaths. So perhaps John, the last surviving disciple of Jesus, led of God, he said, I need to write down my experience. I need to write down my eyewitness account of Jesus Christ. I need to write down my account of his words. I need to write down my emotional involvement with the Son of God as I walked with him and talked with him and as we shared life together, especially in those three years of his public ministry. And so John, the disciple, probably the last one alive, somewhere between 80 and 90 A.D., writes these words, and he is putting his emotion on paper. He is putting how he has felt about walking with the Savior through these years of his life. So with pen in hand, John is led by the Spirit of God to write this biography of Jesus. There are four Gospels, of course, in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the last one to be written. The other three are called synoptic Gospels in that they are somewhat alike and they probably draw from one another. John stands alone in his presentation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, with pen in hand, as he writes the biography of Jesus, I want you to put this in your minds. I want you to put this in your hearts. You're going to hear it over and over throughout my sermon series, and I especially want to repeat it in these first few uh, times that we meet together uh, in this sermon series, and that is John defines ultimately why he wrote his gospel. He's the only one who does it. He tells us why he is putting his emotion on paper. Write this reference down. You will memorize it sooner or later, I promise you. John 20, verse 31, gives us the reason John wrote his gospel. Let me read it to you one more time. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. The reason John writes his gospel is because it is a witnessing tool. He wants to bring the world to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he pins this gospel by the leading of God to help people believe that Jesus indeed is the Son of God and God the Son the Savior of the world, part of the Godhead, God Almighty walking on earth. The gospel is John's witnessing tool. So this book has one central figure, and it is Jesus Christ. And everyone and everything in this gospel somehow is related to Jesus. He is the centerpiece of everything John is writing about here. Now today, we're going to study John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. So open that word in your lap, turn there with me. We'll get to it in just a moment. 
in the very opening of the gospel, the verses that come prior to these verses we studied today, the first 18 verses of the book of John are called the prologue of the gospel of John. It introduces a man to us in these first 18 verses. John is the writer of the gospel, but he introduces another John to us, John the Baptist. And I want you to be reminded of John the Baptist's life. Look at the first chapter and back up a little bit to verses 6 to 8. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, talking about John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. If you look at those few verses, you will notice that the word witness appears three times. It is a major term in the gospel of John. In the very opening of this gospel, we come to know John the Baptist as a witness, as a pointer to Jesus as the Savior of the world. John the Baptist, according to the very first verses of the gospel of John, John the Baptist was not the Savior. He was not the light of God, but he was to bear witness of the Savior and bear witness to the light, to the Son of God. So as we study this gospel, you and I are going to be challenged with the truth John the Baptist was a witness to Jesus. And 2,000 years later, in the church of this present day, you and I have now picked up the baton of John the Baptist. You and I are also witnesses of the Savior, Jesus Christ, in this world in which we live. And we know that our nation is in such a turmoil right now. We need to show the Savior to the, to the United States of America and to the world. Amen? We need to stand up as witnesses today. So basically, John is going to tie the bow at the end of his gospel by saying, I opened the gospel with John the Baptist as a witness, but as I come to the end of the gospel, I want you to understand that you now take his place. We are witnesses as well. And all of us are to stand up for the name of Jesus Christ in this world. So we're challenged by the truth that we are witnesses. Today we're going to hear about what John the Baptist says about himself, how John the Baptist describes his own ministry. He, divi- he, he, he defines very well his own God-given direction and path that the Lord has given to him as he lives his life. I want to set a time frame here as we get started today. According to the Bible, John had a plan for his life before he was ever conceived in the womb. John the Baptist had a pre-planned life before he was ever conceived in his mother Elizabeth's womb. And I want you to know that I believe that's not just true for John the Baptist. We see that evidence for Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I believe that is true for every single person born on earth. That God has a plan for your life and my life, but that plan cannot be enacted and it cannot go forward until Jesus lives in our heart as our Lord and our Savior. If we're going to live His plan, we have to have the Son, we have to have the Savior so we can walk in the footsteps of Christ. Now, Luke chapter 1, verse 17, you don't have to turn there. Luke chapter 1, verse 17, an angel tells Zacharias, John's future father, who was a priest, that that Zacharias was going to have a son who would go before the Savior. And here's what we learn in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. 
he will go before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's John the Baptist's purpose before he was ever conceived in the womb that he was going to be a preacher to prepare a people for the Lord Jesus Christ to come to their hearts. So John is born in the priestly family of Zacharias. His mother was Elizabeth. He was a cousin to Jesus the Christ. He was born six months before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. About 29, 30 years old, John the Baptist begins his ministry. He rises as a preacher, but he doesn't preach in the central cities of his nation. Rather, he is a preacher in the wilderness. He is a preacher in the barest of circumstances, and yet people came to hear him preach. People were drawn to hear his message, and his message was to proclaim the need for spiritual repentance that we are to be sorry for our sin, that we are to be sorry before God of the things that we've done against him. And we need to be prepared for a Savior to come. John the Baptist could not offer forgiveness. All he could offer was preparedness for the Savior to come so that people's uh, road to their heart would be straight and pure and they would be ready to receive him. John was not the Savior, but he was to prepare the world for the Savior. And he lived his entire life with one goal, one purpose, to point to, to witness to that one Savior who was coming. That was his mission in life. Jesus even came to John the Baptist in the wilderness, and you remember this well. Jesus came to where John the Baptist lived. We see this account in Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3. Jesus comes to John the Baptist and asks John, to baptize him. And John the Baptist is absolutely overwhelmed that the Son of God, the one for whom he was forerunner, the Son of God would come to him and ask John to baptize him. He was humbled, overwhelmed to baptize the Son of God, God the Son. But Jesus would not be baptized as a sinner in repentance of his sin. Jesus had no sin. Jesus bore no sin in his body for the entirety of his life here on earth. Jesus has never borne sin. But he comes to John the Baptist to baptize him as the Savior in obedience to the Father's will. I believe that the moment Jesus came to John for baptism was the moment Jesus said, Yes, God the Father, I will go to the cross. Yes, I will lay down my life. Yes, I will surrender everything I have so that the world might be saved. I believe it was a moment of obedience. Just as every believer is asked to come to the waters of baptism in obedience to the living God, I believe that Jesus' baptism was a baptism of obedience to obeying God's will that he would die for the world. Now, this passage today picks up a few months after John the Baptist had baptized Jesus. You remember that John said in those moments, I, I can't even bear your shoes, Lord. I don't have any right to approach your feet, and yet you want me to baptize you. And Jesus said, yes, I do. Baptize me in obedience to the Father's will. This passage today picks up after John had baptized the Savior. 
The Jews, now listen, here's where we're picking up. The Jews who led the worship of Israel were very aware that Jesus' ministry was growing. They had seen the ministry of John the Baptist, but Jesus had also come onto the scene, and his ministry was beginning to grow. And, and so these Jewish leaders were concerned about their future. Was this man going to displace their leadership of Israel? Was he going to take over where they were leaders and respected? Was he going to take over so that when he walked through the streets, people would bow to him as Savior rather than to them as leaders of the Jewish religion? So they were very curious about who John the Baptist is and who Jesus is. So the high priest and the Pharisees and the religious leaders wanted to guard their positions of leadership in Israel. So they send a committee. We Baptists love committee. In fact, someone said that a giraffe was put together by a committee. We, we love committees. And we have a committee for just about everything, but these Jewish leaders of the religion of the Jews, the faith, put together a committee. And they send a committee of priests and Levites to question John the Baptist about his ministry, just who are you? What's your message about that you're witnessing to someone else? What are you about? Why are you living in the wilderness? Tell us about your life. They know he has a relationship with Jesus. They know his ministry has grown. They know that Jesus' ministry is beginning to gain traction here, but they couldn't figure out the connection of John the Baptist with Jesus. That's where this scripture picks up. So look now, John 1. Go to verse 19. Hear then these words. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias or Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Or Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. God had his blessing to the reading of this portion of his precious word. So this committee sent by the religious leaders of the Jews, primarily by the Pharisees and the high priest, this committee comes to John and they ask him, just tell us, who are you? What are you about? And John says, let me begin by telling you who I'm not. 
Let me tell you who I am not right now so we get this all straight. I am not the Christ. By the way, the Bible mentions two words for Jesus, the Christ and the Messiah. The Messiah is the Hebrew term. The Christ is the Greek term, but they mean the same thing, the Savior of the world. So John the Baptist says, I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah that God has sent to the world. But I want you to look at verse 21. This, this committee continues in asking John, well, if you're not the Savior, then are you Elijah the prophet returned to us? Why did they ask that question? There's a reason. They're referring back to an Old Testament prophecy. Of course, these men know the Old Testament extremely well through and through, so they're referring back to an Old Testament prophecy. Write this down so you'll have it for your records. Malachi chapter 4 Verse 5, and this is what that verse says. This is the verse they're referring to here when they ask that question. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So Malachi prophesies that Elijah is going to come back to revisit us. So they say, are you the one prophesied by Malachi? Are you Elijah? And he says, absolutely not. That's not me. Well, then... When he says, no, I'm not the prophet Elijah, the committee presses on. They say, are you the prophet? They're referring back to another word from the Old Testament when they refer to the prophet. They're referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses says this to the children of Israel. He says, the day is going to come when God is going to raise up a prophet that will speak God's words directly to you. So the committee says, are you that prophet that Moses spoke about, about centuries ago in that reference in Deuteronomy? And John the Baptist says, no, I am not the prophet Moses spoke about. I am not the one who literally brings the voice of God to the world. So the committee is still frustrated. They're still confused. They haven't figured out who this man is. So in John chapter 1, verse 22, the committee presses on, kind of in frustration. Well, who are you then exactly? They said, we need to give an answer to the people who sent us. We need to take an answer of who you are back to the high priest, back to the Pharisees. Who are you? Give us an answer. In John chapter 1, verse 23, John the Baptist quotes... Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Just look at John chapter 1, verse 23. This is a quote from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And he says this, verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Or Isaiah. So he's quoting the Old Testament saying, I am the one Isaiah prophesied, that voice that is calling out in the wilderness to prepare a way for the Lord to come to you. Now I want you to notice this. John does not say, I am a great prophet. He does not say, I am a great preacher. He doesn't say, God prepared this for me to do. He doesn't say, I'm the one God sent to the wilderness. He does not say, I'm the forerunner of Christ. He simply says, with all humility, I am nothing more than a voice crying out to introduce you to Jesus the Christ. Make the path straight. Make the way clear to your heart 
that the Savior can come to you. I'm not the Savior, but I'm pointing to him. I'm witnessing to you to him. Make the path straight that the Savior can come to your heart. I am just one life chosen out of many to point the way to Christ. And he says, I'm the, I am nothing more than that voice crying out, but Jesus is the one you need to turn your eyes to. You don't need to look at me. I am just a voice. You need to turn your eyes to the Savior, Jesus Christ, the one I witness about. Well, then the committee takes a turn in their questions. And they say, well, if you're not the Savior, and you're not Elijah, and you're not the prophet of the Old Testament, why are you baptizing people here? What does your baptism stand for? What authority do you have to baptize people in the river? And John the Baptist says, I can only baptize with water. I don't have any power to do anything other than baptize with water. It's a baptism of repentance. It's a, bapti a baptism of people saying, Lord God, I am sorry for my sin. I repent of that which I've done wrong against you. And when I bring people to say that they're sorry for their sin before God and repent, wanting to turn the other way and walk away from their sin, I'm preparing them to hear the word of a Savior, Jesus Christ, who alone can forgive them. I can't forgive them. All I can do is prepare them and help them to see how sorry they should be for their sin. But there's one coming after me, John said. And he is preferred over me. And this one coming after me is far greater than me because his word is the very word of God. And he is the one who can change your life from lost to found. I can't do that. All I can do is lead us to be sorry for our sin, but the one who's coming can forgive you and give you life. He's the one who can take away your sin and take away your guilt and promise you an eternity of forgiveness and life everlasting. He's the only one who can change your eternity. I can't do that. I'm his forerunner. I'm his witness. But it's all about him. John the Baptist says he's the one so powerful that I don't have the boldness and I don't really have the courage or the right to stoop down and untie his shoelaces. That's how great he is. I don't have a right to untie his shoes. Everything I am, every word I've ever spoken pales in comparison to what Jesus the Christ is preaching. He said, I'm not even a man to be recognized. I'm just a voice. You don't need to know my name. A voice crying in the wilderness And all I want to do is point to him. I, I want to point to him. I want to witness to him. And then I want to back out into the shadows. I want to decrease. And I want him to increase. I want to be the voice, but I want to point to the Savior. Now, John says this. Make no mistake, gentlemen. I am pointing you to Jesus. I don't care if you know me. But don't miss him. And he said, uh, and also I want you to know this, committee. He's right here among us. And you don't know him yet. You're pouring all your energy into me, and you need to be seeking him out. You need to know him. Your eternity depends not on me. It depends on Jesus, the Savior. Don't miss him. 
And the last verse here in this passage today, verse 28, simply identifies where this committee met John. It's on the edge of the wilderness in a little town called Bethabara. Well, after preaching here, that's it. That's the passage. And after preaching through this passage and hearing what John the Baptist says, you know, God identifies John as one of the greatest men who ever lived. And yet John said, I I can't even bow down and untie his shoelaces. I'm so humbled in the presence of Jesus. As I preach this message today, personally, I feel so small and so humbled to be able to stand in this pulpit after hearing what John says because what John says here defines who I am. I'm nothing more than a voice. I don't have any claim to fame. I don't want any claim to fame. I want to do exactly what John the Baptist did, and that's to point to Jesus, witness to Jesus, point the world to the Savior. You know, it really doesn't matter in this world what my name is. It really doesn't matter the name of this church in the world. What matters is is our pointing and our witnessing to Jesus Christ. We're the voice crying out, the church, we're the voice. We take up where John the Baptist left off. We're the voice now crying out that there is a Savior for the world. And the world needs to know him. So many don't know him. Just as John the Baptist said, he's right here with us and you don't know him yet. There's so many around us who don't know him yet. And we are to be that witness to take the gospel into the world. All that's important is that our voices rise up above the clamor and the fame and the attractions and all the pursuits of this world. Because everything of this world one day is going to pass away. All the millions of dollars and all the things that we could ever collect, all of that is going to be worthless and gone one day. And the only thing that will ever matter is our relationship with the one who can change our eternity. And his name is Jesus. There's no other reason for us to exist than to proclaim and point to and witness to Jesus, the Christ. We say with one voice, He is the Savior. Life is all about Him. Eternal life finds its center point in Him, in His cross and in His empty tomb. It's what life is all about. He alone can change our life from lost in sin to saved by grace. Only Jesus can do that. There is no other way. You know, again, I remind you, uh, so many in this world, Oprah Winfrey's one of them, so many in this world preach this false gospel of there, there are many ways to God. If God were to sit on the top of a mountain, so many are preaching. There are so many roads to run up that mountain, get to God. That's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says there is one route, one road, one way, one truth, one life, and his name is Jesus. And we witness to him. We witness about him. We point to him. Our voice is to ring out for him because he's the one who's important. That's what John the Baptist said. That's what we live this day. All of the ministry of the church and all of our individual lives as believers has one singular goal. Point to Jesus. Witness for Jesus. Show the world the Christ. It's really all about him. Church, that's a summation of our ministry in a nutshell. What John said is who we are. A voice crying out, there is a Savior, and the world needs to know him. Praise God, we know him. Amen?
Praise God, we know him. Praise God, even in our state of not being sinless, he allows us to serve him. We, we live in forgiveness, and he restores us, and he loves us, and he asks us to carry the message into the world. Here in John chapter 1, John the Baptist is quick to say to this committee, he's among us, but you don't know him yet. How many millions outside of these doors don't know him yet? How many thousands within just maybe a 20, 25-mile range of this church, how many thousands don't know him yet? Friends, we have ministry to do. We have work to do. We have a gospel to proclaim. This is not a little fancy meeting place where we meet once a week and, and leave and forget about it. We are witnesses. We are gathering around the good word of God, and he's building us up, and he's encouraging us, be my witness in this world. That's our call. We're the voice, just like John was. You know, there are so many statements in the Bible that bring reality to me, but there's one that is a statement of Jesus that sends chills down my spine every time I read it. So many who think that doing good things, being a good neighbor, being a moral person, uh, giving to the church, even sitting in a pew is sufficient for heaven But, John, but Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, says this. Sends chills down my spine. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? That's a preacher, friends. That's a term for preaching, prophesying from the pulpit. So Jesus, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's not about who we are. It's not about our name in the world. It's not about how famous we can be. It's not about how many... How many possessions we have or how much money is in a church bank account has nothing to do with it John the Baptist said he's right here and you've got to know him in a personal relationship my prayer for you and for me is that he's our first thought in the morning that he's our last prayer at bedtime do you have a walk with him personally I asked the entire congregation listening today, media, audience, out in the parking lot, sanctuary, do we have a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ, today? Do you walk with him? Do you allow him to talk to you? Do you give him time in your day? You know, he's not your religion. He's your friend. It's not about religion. It's about relationship that Jesus loves us so deeply that he wants to be with us every moment of the day and night. If you don't know him today, just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you do love me so much that you laid down, you sacrificed your life on a cross that I might be saved, forgiven. That my sin, I'm sorry for my sin, Lord. You can't ask forgiveness until you first repent, saying, I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've done before you. 
But through your cross, your cross alone, you shed your blood to forgive me. I believe that, Lord. But I also believe, Lord, that through your empty tomb, you're promising me eternal life. You told me in John chapter 14, you're going to prepare a place for me. There's a home that's going to be waiting for me. The moment my eyes close here, I will open them in my new home. I need you as my Savior. I want to come to you. You know, a lot of folks say, I can't come to Jesus yet. I've got a long way to go to clean up my act. I've got to learn the Bible a little better than I know it right now. I've got to, I got to do my, my study and my interms and take my final exam before I can come to Jesus. I don't know about anything about the Bible yet. No, all he says is, you, you just tell me you believe. With your heart, you come saying, Lord, I am sorry for my sin, and I believe that you died on a cross for me. I'll add everything else to you. You're going to be involved in the church. You're going to be getting learning the word. You come right now and let me save you, forgive you, cleanse you, and I'll put you on that path of growth. The fancy word is sanctification. I'll put you on that path. You'll learn. You'll grow. But you can't begin my purpose until I first become your Savior. If you need him today, here in this sanctuary, out in a parking lot, or listening by media, you come. He's waiting. Church, wherever you are today, scattered out in the world or right here with me in this sanctuary, can we close our eyes in prayer and say, Lord, I will be a voice for you. That's all John said he was. I'm a voice. That's what he asks us to be a voice, a witness, a pointer in our life. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments, Lord. I thank you that your church meets together, Lord. These are unusual circumstances in an unusual day. But, Father, we thank you that really what we're going through right now are very minor sacrifices from meeting uh, before a TV set or a a media screen or out in a parking lot or meeting here in the sanctuary, wearing masks, Lord, a minor, minor, minor sacrifice in the face of the supreme sacrifice of the, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Son, Jesus Christ, our God, who laid down his life literally that we might be forgiven and saved and given eternal life. Any sacrifice we could produce will pale in comparison to that supreme sacrifice to give us life. Bless us today, Father, those of us who are believers, to be your voice, a voice in this world, a witness. Help us as a church to be your witness, to not stray from your word, right or left. And for that one, Lord, who needs you as Savior, I pray this day, this moment, that he or she won't let any excuse or any problem come in the way of simply saying, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. I'm sorry for my sin. I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I come to you and open my heart to you now. Bless us in this important moment, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.